What's up, movie lovers? Welcome back to another episode of I Want to Talk About Movies. I Last week, I saw Captain Marvel, and it was really good. It was a really good movie. And I started to think about something. I thought, you know, I talked about the DCEU. I talked about comic books that have been turned into movies. And I realized that I haven't talked about the the company that's dominating this industry, which is Marvel. And because over the past decade, Marvel has consistently made movies back-to-back every year, at least anywhere between two to like, I don't know, three or four movies every year. Um, That's just so much to talk about within one episode. So I decided to just break it down into several different episodes uh, last week, I talked about Marvel Phase 1, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, the Avengers, all that good stuff. Um, so this week, I will be talking about Phase 2 and all that Marvel has been doing with that. Uh, eventually, I will be touching on Phase 3, and eventually after that, I will be talking about movies that are outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So with that said... I am Bran, as usual, I will be your host, and I feel like talking about movies. Let's get into it. So let's start off with the first movie, which was Iron Man 3. Uh, Iron Man 3 was a pretty okay movie, not too bad. It had a uh, M. Night Shyamalan-y twist at the end of it, which was not very accepted by the rest of the world. Um... Along with Robert Downey Jr., we also had Ben Kingsley, who played the Mandarin. But in the end, we figure out that he is not the Mandarin. He is simply an actor hired to be the face of a terrorist organization, which is definitely an interesting way to go, but not the way I would have gone. The simple fact that Ben Kingsley is not any kind of oh well he's not not really asian he is not asian so that was kind of the big issue with ben kingsley playing the mandarin and that alone was kind of a a red flag right then and there but you know given the given the actual movie like like him in the movie was actually really good like him as the mandarin before we figure out he's just an actor um i thought that was a really good show i thought he was doing really well up until that point uh in this movie or i should say in the avengers uh there was a conversation between tony stark and steve rogers where steve rogers went up to his face and asked him like you know Big man in a suit of armor, take that away. Who are you? And we have the ever popular answer that everybody knows. And, you know, in this movie, it's kind of Tony's way to prove it. Tony proves that he is more than just the suit. But throughout this movie, we kind of realize that he's having a hard time. Like after he, after he almost sacrificed himself in the, in the Avengers, He's having a little bit of a hard time adjusting. A real real tiny bit. Real tiny bit adjust, hard time adjusting. Um, a little suffering from a little bit of uh, PTSD going on there. Um, anxiety. 
he is preparing for some kind of inevitable war, which he was right. He, he did predict that the that a war was coming, and he ends up making about 40, yeah, he made 42 uh, Iron Man suits altogether. So from the first movie all the way up to now, he has 42. He's not sleeping very well. He's just constantly upgrading his suits, constantly making different suits for different occasions. And for the most part, they're very interesting. I wish we spent more time on each suit. Uh, for the most part, we maybe see maybe a third of the suits, you know? You see them all at once, but all, all in all, we get a good look at about a third of them. And you don't really get any explanation on them. I mean, obviously, with 42 different suits, it's going to take a really long time to um, talk about each and every single one individually. So obviously, that's going to be a problem. Um, this is actually the last solo Iron Man movie that we've gotten um, with someone with as much charisma as Robert Downey Jr. Um, he just, he, he really puts a lot into this role and it seems that no matter what movie he's in, he's kind of stealing the show. So even though this is the last Iron Man movie that we have, um, you know, he is still a very prominent figure in all the, MCU so you know you do still see him a lot and even if you don't see him you still hear a lot about him so all in all is really good um, I, I enjoyed it honestly I enjoyed it it's not my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie but still not bad um, I think it's one of those movies you can easily pass like if you if you watch like certain movies, you don't really need to watch um, Iron Man 3 to get like the gist of it, you know? Um, he doesn't really mention a lot of it afterwards. And at the end of the movie, we actually see that Pepper Potts has some powers of her own, and that never comes back to talk, you know, no one ever talks about that after that. So you, you can, you can probably skip Iron Man 3. Um, after the Avengers, this is the first movie where we actually see another Avenger in, in this world, in Tony's world. We don't really talk about it all that much. Well, they do They do kind of talk a lot about um, the events of New York, but they don't really talk about the Avengers all that often um, in Iron Man 3. But at the end credits, we do see Tony talking to Bruce Banner, so... You know, it proof that they do still exist, so that's good. But aside from that, there's not a whole lot of mention of of the Avengers in each of these movies. Just little tidbits here and there. All in all, eh, out of ten, I'd say six, maybe seven. Not bad. So after the events of the Avengers, uh, Thor and a now captured Loki go back to Asgard where Loki is um, thrown into jail, thrown into prison um, by his father Odin or his adopted father Odin. And there is a little bit of hurt feelings there. Like Odin, I feel like Odin doesn't really want to throw Loki in jail, but at the same time though, it's something that he has to do. 
you know, like he knows that Loki is kind of a terrible person. So he's like, okay, well, begrudgingly, I will throw you into jail. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And so um, they put him in his own cell. You know, although although he is in prison, he is treated like, still treated like semi-royalty. He has his own cell. Um, compared, like, if you, look at, if you look at the movie and you see all the other jail cells, they're pretty f- packed with people. So to say he got off easy is pretty fair. I think it's pretty fair to say. Um, so after that, after uh, Loki is sentenced, uh, Thor spends a lot of time going from realm to realm to kind of just calm everyone down and bring them all back to uh, peace and harmony. And he kind of settles into that role, kind of, sort of, like not for a very long time. I think it's about two years after. And he is just kind of not really taking his time, but kind of taking his time to get these places sorted out. And he'll go back to Asgard periodically and hang out and train and whatnot. But secretly, he does want to go back to Earth, but just feels like it's not the right time yet. He feels like the world is not uh, ready. The world is not, or, or his world is not completely safe yet. So once that world is completely safe, then he'll he'll go back to Earth. But meanwhile, on Earth, Jane Foster, a.k.a. Natalie Portman, um, she has been um, seeing other people. She's been doing work, but also dating at the same time. You know, she's a woman in this day and age, so she can do what she wants. So she has been kind of working a lot, and she realizes that there's, or she, she gets word that there's this, like, portal that can take her to like another realm. So she goes to this other realm. And as it turns out, we get a little bit of history from this movie about, uh, about Thor's family. Apparently Thor's grandfather, um, was fighting some dark elves. And then he found this device called the ether, which is yet another, which is another infinity stone. So this would be the second, infinity stone that we've seen so far in this series and both were essentially from thor like as i mentioned before thor is a very big part of this universe because of the fact that the infinity stones basically stem more so from his side of the spectrum so jane gets infected with this ether that um, Thor's grandfather had kind of packed away and thought, basically thought that he sealed from the world, but didn't. Lo and behold, did not do that. Random human stumbles upon it. And so the as soon as that happens, the Dark Elves wake up from their hibernation and they seek vengeance. So during this time, they end up killing Thor's mother, they end up really just messing everything up. Honestly, honestly, this is yet another movie you can probably pass. Between between Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, it was kind of a slow start for Phase 2. Not a bad start, not a terrible start. Just a slow start. Like it wasn't as good as what we had already seen. So it's one of those things where you make something that's incredibly, incredibly awesome and... The next question is, what are you going to do next? You know, it's kind of hard to to 
to up yourself. But they do eventually, either way. So, all in all, not a bad movie. You know, Thor kind of, you know, it goes really left and right. Loki dies, but turns out he's not dead. He's still alive. It is a whole mess of science. A whole mess of science. It is definitely something. So in Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America, um, he has a friend named Bucky Barnes who falls to his death and is essentially not seen for the rest of the movie. Um, that happens maybe a little past the middle of the movie, so a little, little closer to the end than anything. But, yeah, so his friend dies, but what captain america doesn't realize is that the soviets ended up finding him and giving him a metal arm and brainwashing him making him a a hydra agent which is the organization that captain america is strongly against so cut to modern day after after the events of the avengers um captain america is kind of slowly bringing himself back to uh to the world you know he has a list of things that people are telling him hey you should go check this out you should see what this is you know listen to this buy this watch this listen blah 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 blah. just trying to acclimate himself back to being uh you know a, a normal person in the world um but some stuff goes down some stuff goes down and we are introduced to the winter soldier which we quickly find out is uh, Bucky Barnes, Captain America's friend. And Steve Rogers is a little concerned. Like he's kind of confused as to why he's brainwashed. Like he doesn't seem to understand that Bucky is brainwashed. So he's trying to convince him that, hey, you are my friend. Let's be friends. You know, do you want to build a snowman? And, you know, he doesn't want to build a snowman, Cap. Okay, just move on, please. <laughs> We also get uh, more of Black Widow, played by Scarlett Johansson. She is sporting her third haircut in the series. I think altogether she has about five different haircuts, maybe six, not sure. But yeah, so she's in it. And Steve, is, Steve Rogers is having kind of a hard time um, believing people. Because you work for a, an organization that is essentially filled with spies, you kind of have a hard time believing a lot of the people you work with. So uh, we learn a lot in this movie. We learn that although Nick Fury is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., he is not the person in charge. That is a completely different person played by Robert Radford, who ends up also being a HYDRA agent. So much fun. So much fun working working with spies, I'm sure. Um, they said that they said that this movie was gonna change everything. And when I saw it for the first time, I was truly shocked at how much it did change. I mean, I, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's just gonna be another movie. It's just something that people say about movies. And turns out, lo and behold, yeah, they definitely changed a lot. Um Shield actually became disbanded, so Shield is technically no longer a thing. It's um, 
kind of on the back burner. Like it's a much more secret organization. I mean, when you when you put your emblem everywhere, how secret are you, right? So they got rid of all the emblems and all the hats and all the jackets and all the big things that say shield. Here, here, here we are, spies. They got rid of all that. So if if shield is still a thing, they're definitely much more well hidden. But as of right now, it's more of the Avengers game versus uh, Shield. Um, we are also introduced to Falcon, played by Anthony Mackie. I think Anthony Mackie is really good for this role. He's a little cocky for my taste, but but I think he he's a good fit for this role and definitely a good partner for for Captain America to have on his side. Uh, fun fact is that Anthony Mackie. Um, playing Falcon, this is actually a lifelong dream of his, was to play a Marvel comic book character. So the fact that he got to do that must have been like a really big deal for him. And and that was pretty cool. Another fun fact is that if you look closely on his pack, um, it does say Stark Industries. So if you think about it, Stark Industries made his, his tech. And when Civil War c- came around, they couldn't really do anything about it. So what else is there so in the movie Captain America Falcon and Black Widow become fugitives from S.H.I.E.L.D. and so they kind of have to hide and do spy stuff on their own without people noticing hence you know people being spies um in doing this, the big question about this movie was that why didn't they call, you know, Tony Stark? Why didn't they call Bruce Banner? You know, why couldn't they call other people to help them out? They have like a whole bunch of new friends. So why not call them in? Um, I read online that the reason why they didn't do that was because this whole thing kind of takes place in only a few days, about three or four days. So, they don't really have enough time to call people. Cause if you watch the movie, they're kind of constantly doing stuff. So it doesn't really have enough time to be like, Hey, Tony, what's up? What are you doing? Are you free right now? Yeah, let's go. Let's hang out by the way. Come and help me. But yeah, so they don't, and in the, in the end, they didn't really need it. Didn't absolutely need it. Um, this is definitely a good movie. Like I liked the first captain America movie. I thought it was pretty good that was interesting but this really kind of shows that captain america isn't just a little boy scout he's pretty awesome he's pretty awesome definitely worth a watch you definitely cannot skip this movie this is one of the movies you shouldn't be skipping if you're just watching uh random marvel movies and want to kind of keep a keep a tab on them definitely a good movie i really liked it and it has more depth to each character too. By the end of the movie, Shield, like I said, is disbanded, and they've actually released uh, files on on Shield in general. So everybody pretty much knows everything about everybody else. It is definitely a new world for Marvel at this point. Very interesting. So, movie lovers, a little bit about me. Um, I also like, aside from, aside from movies, I also like to collect movie memorabilia. Um, 
I definitely have a lot of random stuff at my house, but um, a few years ago, I used to go to this place pretty regularly. These guys sold uh, different collectibles, whether it be from comic books or movies, action figures, stuff like that. Um, I would go there fairly often just because maybe about, like about once a week I would go and I would usually find some pretty interesting stuff there and just kind of take a look. Sometimes I'd buy something, sometimes I wouldn't. But for the longest time, every time I would go there, I'd find this one pack of action figures, a little, little set with like four little action figures in it. And I had no idea what they were. And then eventually I found out that they were the Guardians of the Galaxy which is the next movie we're going to be talking about. But I saw this little four-pack of of action figures. It was Drax the Destroyer, Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot. And I was just like, okay, so I, I had no idea what these what these guys were. I only knew that they were like a part of Marvel Comics. I asked around. A lot of the people who I knew didn't know a whole lot about them. And... Um, uh, eventually, I heard that there was going to be a movie about them. I was like, okay, that seems pretty interesting. Okay. And then the movie came out. And so far in Phase 2 with Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, and Captain America The Winter Soldier, we've had kind of a, a very serious tone. Like Iron Man, a little less so. But in general, like it's been kind of a serious tone up until... Guardians of the Galaxy. And honestly, like like I said, like I didn't know a whole lot of people who knew a whole lot about these this um space this team of space avengers. But lo and behold, it was a great movie. I think it was really it, it definitely says something for Disney and Marvel when they put their eggs into one basket and pays off big for them. I mean, like I said, nobody really knew a lot about them. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they were a huge hit. So when I used to go to that store, uh, I saw maybe eight or nine boxes of those four-pack action figures for Guardians of the Galaxy. And right after the movie came out, I noticed that slowly but surely, those boxes were leaving the shelf like, it went from nine to like seven. It went from seven to like four. And then eventually uh, I went there and I had like one left. I was like, wow, really? And at the time I hadn't seen the movie. And and then eventually I did and I was just blown away by it. Uh, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord. I think Chris Pratt is a great actor. Um I first saw him when he was doing uh, Parks and Recreation. Great show. Fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, definitely go ahead and check it out. Uh, in Parks and Rec, he plays this guy named Andy. And Andy's a little heavy set fella. And in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's, um, you know, not a heavy set fella. And apparently he lost, he lost uh, 60 pounds which is a lot like if you really think about it to lose any amount of any amount of weight is very impressive to me but to go ahead and lose 60 pounds that is awesome like props to you 
but he actually brought it up in, I believe it was the last season of Parks and Rec where he had lost a lot of weight. And what he had said was he was he was talking to one of his friends and he said that, oh, I lost 50 pounds because I stopped drinking beer. When, when in reality he lost 60 and it was for Guardians of the Galaxy because he had been shooting shooting Guardians um, while also shooting uh, Parks and Rec. Very impressive. A um, whole bunch of... Just everything, everything about this movie is awesome. Everything about this movie is awesome. The soundtrack is great. The the actors are great. Um, the storyline is fantastic. Just everything about it is just really, really good. And um, it's more of a lighthearted tone than what we've been used to in the MCU. Um, it's a lot more funnier. Uh, Vin Diesel is Groot, and he doesn't say much only says i am groot literally the only thing he says i am groot and um apparently when he was recording it he said i am groot over a thousand times which has to sound weird after a while i'm sure um (laughs) really good stuff really really good stuff um i think that So Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, Dave Bautista as Drax the Destroyer. Uh, originally, uh, Jason Momoa was actually going to play Drax the Destroyer, but he decided that he didn't want to be typecast as that big guy, who big warrior type of person. So he became Aquaman. Definitely makes sense. Definitely makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um. I always feel like I say her name wrong. Uh, Zoe Zaldana as Gamora. I think I did pretty well on that one. <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel as Groot. And Rocket Raccoon was played by um, Bradley Cooper. Great actors. Great set of... Mm, just fantastic. Um, so in this, in this movie, in Guardians of the Galaxy, we're introduced to um, a few things. One being uh, Thanos. We are introduced to Thanos and we first met Thanos when when at the, at the end of the end credits of the Avengers and we haven't really heard much from him mainly because he's in outer space and so far in phase 2 we haven't had any kind of adventures in outer space until we had Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're introduced to him very I, I believe it's pretty subtle too like we're, we're not like he's not thrown in our faces you know he's just kind of there because he has to be um the main thing that we are introduced to in this movie is the third infinity stone which is the it's uh the power stone aka the orb and it's kind of the central thing of the of the movie where you know people are trying to sell it, people are trying to buy it, people are trying to get it, people are trying to get rid of it, people are trying to protect it. A lot happens around this orb. And it's kind of like it's it's literally the space Avengers. It's like they're trying to get this orb. You know, whereas in the Avengers they're trying to get the Tesseract. 
literally the same thing, just a different universe. If it's a, it's basically a multiverse theory according to the Avengers. Um, definitely a good movie, good epic dance battle at the end. I really did like the ending. Um, that final showdown ending. But yeah, definitely awesome. I do feel like it was kind of a wasted. Um, one 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 thing I can one negative thing I can say about this movie is that I feel like they're not really utilizing the outer space um, portion of the Marvel universe, mainly because uh, they talk about in the Guardians of the Galaxy they talk about the Nova Corps, which is kind of like the police of um, that planet, and there is. A superhero in the Marvel comic books called Nova, and I kind of thought that maybe he would be showing up sooner or later. And so far, it's been uh, about five, about o- almost five years since uh, since Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Guardians of the Galaxy came out in 2014, so it's been about f- almost five years now, and nobody has even remotely talked about no- Nova. So I'm kind of um, doubting if they're going to get their if Nova's going to get his own um, spinoff. But, you know, there's still a lot more to see and a lot more to talk about. Next up, we have Avengers Age of Ultron, the second Avengers installment. And another, a new team photo. Really nice, really nice. Very entertaining movie. Um... In this one, since the falling of of Shield, uh, the Avengers are kind of doing what they can to get rid of um, Hydra bases, which they've done pretty successfully so far. They've been doing pretty pretty well so far. Um, this movie wasn't wasn't too bad. It was. It was I mean, if you if you're comparing Avengers movies, it's definitely probably the bottom. It's definitely the least popular of the three that's been made so far. Um, it wasn't bad. Again, not bad, not terrible, but could have been a little bit better. Um, Paul Bettany, the voice of Jarvis, um, Iron Man's AI Butler man, um, said he had the easiest job. Which is true. He said that all he had to do was he'd have to come into work and record for about two hours. And literally, his words, they would just hand me a big bag of money and then I would go home. But now it seems like Marvel has caught up with him. (laughs) Now they're actually making him do a little bit of work. (laughs) Which is true. So we're introduced to Vision, which is a combination of Ultron, um, Thor and Iron Man, in a way. Very, very interesting mixture, if you ask me. Um, I really like Paul Bettany. I think Paul Bettany is a great actor. I think he's definitely suited for the role. You know, he seems like a really proper, really, like a really proper English guy. I feel like he's he was good for this role. Um, so in this movie, we learn that Loki's staff from the first Avengers movie is in the hands of some Hydra operatives and they are using it to um, run tests on people. Um, Two people in particular, Wanda and Pietro Maximoff, 
who are these two kids. Essentially, they're kids. Um, they are tested on. They're called Miracles now. Originally, these are actually X-Men characters, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, both of which are their names. So Pietro and Wanda, a.k.a. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. That's their names in the comic books, and that are that's their names in the in the movies as well. So, yeah, but they're called Miracles. At the time, Disney did not own Fox, so they couldn't legally use the term mutants, so they called them Miracles. But we know what they are. We m- Movie lovers, we know what they are. They're mutants. They, they are mutants. Miracles. So... Tony is still kind of he's still kind of on his kick about about using suits, which is odd because at the end of Iron Man three he destroyed all of his suits, but in this one he has doesn't have any suits. He just has robots. Which I mean, how 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 far away is it, right? Like suit versus robot. I mean, it got to the point where the suit could move on its own without him being in it. So technically a robot. Um, so yeah, so Tony is still kind of on his kick about a war coming on and he's very concerned about it to the point where he wants to use, somehow use Loki's staff to create some kind of intelligence that can basically protect the world, you know, kind of like putting a computer chip into the planet and yeah. Interesting concept. Very interesting concept. Obviously, it goes wrong. Um, originally, in the comics, it was uh, Hank Pym, a.k.a. Ant-Man, who made um, Ultron. But this origin has been changed to um, to include it into the MCU. So, James Spader. James Spader plays uh, Ultron. I think that was a great choice. He has a really good voice. I was watching him in the uh, in the office, the TV show, The Office, the American version, and he just has this way of speaking. He just has like this perfect way of just monologuing everything he has to say, and says it so eloquently and everything. I just I think it was really good. Like if you're definitely gonna pick somebody to just be a voice actor, like that's it right there. You know, James Spader, if you want to come over and and do this podcast for me, that'd be awesome. Um, we're also introduced to Ulysses Claw, which is played by Andy Serkis. Um, Andy Serkis is a great actor as well um, from Lord of the Rings, a bunch of other stuff, um, Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes movies. Um, definitely a good actor, but the reason why I bring him up is because he doesn't really play a strong role in this movie. He, he does play kind of a semi-important role, but mainly he's kind of just there to introduce other characters. He's there to tell us that Black Panther exists, essentially, which eventually in Phase 3 we do get Black Panther, So, and he is also in that movie, so it does kind of serve a purpose. Um, but we also learned that, uh, Loki's staff is also an infinity stone. 
which is odd. It's really odd to me because Thanos um, essentially gave Loki the he essentially gave Loki the staff and he gave he told Loki about the Tesseract and where to find it and what to do with it and blah 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 whatever. And I'm thinking like if your ultimate goal Thanos is to get all these infinity stones, wouldn't you want to keep them as close as possible to you? You know, like if you're if you need to collect six things and you have no idea where all six of these things are, wouldn't you want to keep what little you have to yourself? But no, he just gives it to whoever needs it. Oh yeah, hey, I'll, I'll if you give me this, I'll do this for you and blah 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 blah. You know, it's a good but it's a good bartering um bartering system, but at the same time though, eh, your ultimate goal is is missing okay but all in all not a bad movie um you know it's the avengers it's gonna end on a good note um not bad at all not bad at all so last but certainly certainly not least we have ant-man um rounding out the phase two for the mcu um Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, the Ant-Man. Um, in the comic books, he's actually the second Ant-Man. Like I said before, Hank Pym was the first one. And that's what I really like about this movie is that although we don't really see Hank Pym as um, as Ant-Man throughout the movie, we only kind of get flashbacks of him being Ant-Man. It shows that... I like the fact that they showed shield when they were first kind of just kind of starting out a little bit and you know had their feet on the ground and everything and they had shield agents doing stuff like this and that and that they showed that originally he is the first ant-man so although we he doesn't really have an origin story like this is um it's still very good that they included his story in it at all so starts off with um a young Hank Pym. And this is another thing about Disney too. Um, Disney knows how to invest in a lot. Uh, they know how to invest in movies. They know how to do things. They know how to invest in all kinds of new technology. And it's definitely hard when you have someone like Michael Douglas, who is very old. <laughs> He's very old. And you put him in a movie where it's a flashback, where you know it's upwards of about, I think 30 years ago, over 30 years ago or so, 80, 90. Yeah, about 30 years ago. And he looks young. Like, they did a really good job. Like, there are some people out there who think that it does look weird. And it does. Like, let's let's face it. Michael Douglas is an old man. So it does look kind of odd to see him as a young man. But I think they did a really good job. Like, whatever software they were using or whatever makeup effects or whatever special effects they were using definitely helped and it worked really, really well. So we meet Scott Lang, who is a con man of sorts. He is in prison and he finally gets out of prison and he tries to do right by his daughter, who's very cute. His daughter's a very cute little girl. Um, she She loves him. But 
her mother and her new boyfriend kind of think, oh, you know, he's not he's not a good person. He's not a good person. He's a thief, which he is. He is a thief. And he gets back into that life of crime, and he goes into an old man's house and tries to steal something. Turns out he's stealing the Ant-Man suit. Tries it on and eventually gains the ability to be Ant-Man. Definitely something very interesting. And the reason why they're doing that is because um, Hank Pym has a protege who is getting very close to making his own Ant-Man suit, the Yellow Jacket. And they don't want him to do that. Um, Hank definitely doesn't want him to uh, recreate his serum because it's very dangerous, apparently. So, yeah. That's what they're doing. So they're trying to use Scott because Scott is a thief and he's able to get into how into places and he's a very smart man. He has, um, he does have, I think a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in engineering, I believe. And so he's able to do things not only just to like sneak into places, but he's also able to maneuver his way around there, whether there be a technical problem or, um, an engineering problem, he's able to deal with it, which is very good. Very good. I thought, that Paul Rudd was a perfect choice for Scott Lang. I think it's, I think he is very funny. And this is another one. Like we, you know, we started phase two on kind of a serious note, but after a while we've gotten like the lighthearted side of, um, of the MCU now. And I think that's a good balance. Like, Like they've made a really good balance, you know, like they have, that serious tone, but they are also able to laugh and poke fun at themselves and all that good stuff, which is awesome. If you ask me, um, definitely a good movie, hilarious movie, a lot of history behind it though. For a, for a movie that was actually released on time, um, there was a lot of history with this movie, mainly with, um, Edgar Wright, uh, directing it. Originally it was Edgar Wright and, you know, he was set, he had like a script, he had like a plan for it, he was, everything was ready, everything was set for him to direct, and it just snowballed into this whole mess of just dramaticness, but eventually, um, someone by the name of Peyton Reed ended up um, directing it, and they just kind of cited Edgar Wright for the screenplay, which, I don't know, I mean, at the, at the time, he, he wasn't very happy about it, but, I mean, in the end, Ant-Man was a great movie. I, I, was, I am still very curious about how Edgar Wright would have made it differently. But definitely a good choice. Um, they do mention, they do mention um, Age of Ultron in this movie. Um, the events that happened in there, they talk about it in Ant-Man. And, yeah. Very awesome. I, I like I like that the they have these little subtle ways of connecting this universe just to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And slowly but surely they are making these movies just this universe just massive. Um I feel like like with this one we had Scott Lang as Ant-Man and you know it makes sense because it's his movie. But his the next time we see him to me doesn't really make sense. And the times after that we see him again don't really make sense. But 
still a very good movie. It is awesome. I love it. But we'll have to see what's next in, in, in store for Scott Lang. So at one point in time, it seemed like Disney was just buying everything. They were making purchases like it was going to be the end of days. They were buying everything. As I, as I talked about in the last episode, in 2009, they purchased Marvel. And in 2012, um, I believe October 2012, shortly after the first Avengers movie came out, um, Disney had purchased um, Star Wars. So they purchased Star Wars for over $4 billion. So super big payout for George Lucas. Um in the movie The Empire Strikes Back, um, that's the that's the movie where Luke faces off against Darth Vader for the first time and ends up getting his arm or his hand chopped off. And Disney decided to kind of celebrate their purchase by doing the same thing to different characters in the MCU. So in every in every Marvel movie or in every Marvel Cinematic movie, um, within Phase 2, um, somebody loses an arm, or loses a hand. Um, in Iron Man 3, there was, um, the main bad guy was Aldridge Killian. Um, instead of, instead of um, Ben Kingsley being the, the Mandarin, like I said, um, ben Kingsley was just a hired actor to be the face of the terrorist organization. Aldridge Killian, aka Guy Pierce, was the actual um, Mandarin. Yet again, someone else who is not Asian, but is actually very, very white. Uh, he actually ended up um, being the quote-unquote Mandarin. And there's a scene where they're fighting, where Iron Man is finally having like their final showdown with um, Aldridge Killian, and um, Guy Pierce loses an arm. So that's one right there. That was the first time it happened in this series. Um, the second one was in Thor: The Dark World, um, obviously because we're doing this in order. Um, there's a part where Loki is um, turning against Thor, and he chops off Thor's hand. Just to kind of show the dark elf Melekith that, you know, hey, I'm with you. I'm not with him. But it was a ruse. It was a fake. It was a fake um, trick played by Loki and Thor to kind of get close to Melekith. So does that count? I mean, technically, Thor did lose his hand. But at the same time, it was a trick. So it wasn't really real. So does that count? Does it? That's a good question. The next one is uh, pretty obvious. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, Bucky loses his arm, so he has like his entire um, his entire arm is a robotic one. And they also, I guess, I guess this um, Easter egg kind of extends to Civil War as well because he gets his metal arm ripped off in Civil War. But Captain America: Civil War isn't part of Phase Two. It's in part. It's just, uh phase three so i'm wondering if that still kind of counts but it is what it is so bucky just can't seem to get a break in guardians of the galaxy it happened at the very beginning where um where 
the bulk of the Guardians kind of first meet each other when um, Chris Pratt and and Zoe Zaldana is um, having their big fight towards the beginning of the movie. Um, and they meet Rocket and Groot. Um, she actually ends up cutting off Groot's arms, which, again, they grow back, so it's okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's another one. Um, I think it's right after... Right after Stan's cameo, that's when that happens. And right after that, when they're being booked and going to jail, you can see Groot's arms are kind of growing back. So not too bad for him. Not too bad. Don't worry. They grow back. And then in Avengers Age of Ultron, it was Ulysses Claw as um, with Andy Serkis. Um, Ultron got upset like a little baby and ended up cutting off um, Ulysses Claw's hand, which is why in Black Panther he has like an automated kind of gun like hand, which is also pretty awesome. And last but of course, again, not least, the yellow jacket from Ant Man towards the end of the movie when we have our final battle between Ant Man and the yellow jacket. Um, Scott Lang shrinks to be super, super, super small. And he ends up breaking the yellow jacket suit. And one of the first things that shrink from that suit is his arm. And so that's the that's the last thing that they that they show for that Easter egg. I think that was very creative. I didn't realize it until maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I didn't really it didn't register for me until someone had told me about it. And from then on, I was like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. So I thought that was a really good way to kind of, kind of have Disney like push push subliminal messages onto us to watch the uh, upcoming Star Wars movies. But yeah, very interesting. That's probably the biggest Easter egg in this universe right now. Very creative, very creative. With that said, thank you very much, guys, for listening to this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I am sorry for the tardiness on it. I was going through a few things at work, a few positive things at work. So I've been extremely busy. That's why this episode is uh, a little late. But thank you for your patience. I greatly appreciate it. Come out and check us out at Facebook and Instagram. I want to talk about movies. Um, W-A-N-N-A. Definitely appreciate it. Give it a listen. Tell your friends. Tell your families. And let's talk about movies. With that, before I leave, I'm going to give you a little simple quote. Very, 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 very simple quote. We are Groot. Thank you, movie lovers. Until next time.